If you look at the Word um, of God and you understand, I'm talking about God's rule, God's government, God's kingdom, whatever terminology that we use. I could pull out a big Greek word that none of you know, and I have to spell it because I can't pronounce it, and you all to understand this is that word he's using, but it's just, uh, there's no need in me talking about that. But when we talk about the rule of God or the government of God, um, God's rule that word is used 151 times in the New Testament. It's never used kingdom, rule. It's never used in an external sense or with a set of rules that we have that rules our life. How many of you understand the kingdom of God is where? It's within us, okay? It's inside of us. God has set up a government on this earth that lives and abides inside of human beings. God has decided to take up His residence and live inside of us. We teach our children in the nursery, one of the first things we want them to know is that Jesus Christ wants to live and rule their hearts. As Susan said a while ago, tithing is not about money. It's not about just obedience. It's a hard issue. It's between you and God. It's about acknowledging who God is in your life and what authority and priority He has in your life. So the kingdom of God is God's authority to rule for this simple reason. You know why He can rule this earth? He created it and He owns it. The earth is the Lord's. Whether you like it or not, He created you and He owns you. He created Mankind. And the kingdom, the kingdom of God is the absolute truth whether the world believes it's the truth or not. The authority of God is the absolute authority whether the world recognizes it or not. Reality, reality Absolute truth belongs to God, whether you believe it or not. You all know God created it all. Whether you believe in creation or not, He created it. Whether you believe He has the right to do what He does, He does. Whether you believe He does or not. So the kingdom of God precedes and permeates everything. In the book of Hebrews, the 12th chapter, beginning at verse 26, it says, Whose voice then shook the earth? This is God's voice. Shook the earth. But now He has promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this, yet once more, indicates, watch this, the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Let me read that verse one more time. I want you to hear this. Now this, yet once more, indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken. Say this with me. We are receiving a kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy that cannot be shaken. 
God's kingdom in me cannot be shaken. Now listen, you may get shaken. Your belief in His kingdom may be shaken. But His kingdom cannot be shaken. Let's read on. Let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Now notice, since we're receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace. How many of you need some grace? I want to have some grace. Let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably. You know, some people's attitude today is, God, this is what I'm doing for you, like it or lump it. I want to serve Him acceptably and with godly fear, reference. For our God is a consuming fire. Imagine, if you would, for just a moment, a city, a large city. And in the city, there is an 8.9 magnitude earthquake that hits the city. And everything in the city is shaken to rubble and is totally destroyed with the exception of one remaining building. The 8.9 earthquake, the magnitude of it, shakes everything to rubble but one building. Wouldn't you like to wonder engineer what's in that building that took the same hit, everything else around it crumbled but the one building. I want to read from Hebrews 12, verses 28 and 29 from the Message Bible. And I want you to just follow it. I just read it to you from the New King James, but read this with me in the Message Bible. It says, do you see what we've got? We've got an unshakable kingdom. See, if you can catch my analogy, whatever's in that building that kept it from falling is in you if you have received the kingdom of God into your life, the rule of God into your life. You understand that? Do you see what we've got? An unshakable kingdom. And do you see how thankful we must be? Not only thankful, but brimming with worship, deeply reverent before God. For God is not an indifferent bystander. He's actively cleaning house torching all that needs to be burned, and He won't quit until it's all cleansed. God Himself is fire. I want to encourage you today that in 2020, you need to get your eyes off of all of the circumstances and situations and stuff that's going on in the world around you and get your focus on the fact that God has taken up residence in your neighborhood. He has decided to live in you. So a kingdom has been established in you that is unshakable. One government 
the one government, the one entity, the one thing that's on this planet that has not and will not collapse is the eternal kingdom of our Lord Jesus. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7, the first part of it says, Of the increase of His government and peace, there will be no end. Of the increase of His government and peace, righteousness, peace, and joy, there will be no end. Now listen carefully to me say this. The kingdom of God has the strength and the capacity within itself to overcome all of the system's flaws, all of the darkness, and all of the corruption that's in the world. Y'all know we live in a corrupt world. Do you know that? Is that news to you? Huh? We live in a place that's dark. You don't know. There's so much uncertainty around us. So many things going on. So much stuff happening. And Jesus made a statement in the book of John, the 17th chapter, that you and I have got to understand that we've got to be able to comprehend this statement that he made. In John 17, when we talk about the Lord's Prayer, this is really his prayer when he was praying is here in John 17, the Matthew 6 prayer is how he taught his disciples to pray, but this is Jesus' actual prayer, and here's what he's praying. In verse 15 of John 17, he says, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. Now, I don't want to mess with your theology too much. Well, yeah, I really want to. But a whole lot of people think that it's God's will for them to get out of this world. When Jesus said, I'm not praying. I do not pray for you to take them out. I pray for you to keep them in and protect them from the evil one. Do you know why he wants you protected from the evil one? Because he knows you have authority over anything and everything that is contrary to his kingdom. He knows that he has placed something on the inside of you that cannot be shaken. Now, when Jesus here asks the Father not to take us out of the world... In my mind, this carries implications that are pretty far-reaching. When he's saying, Lord, I, I'm not asking you to take them out. So I, I really feel like that I have a responsibility to explain to you that um, if he doesn't want us out of this world, he wants us in this world for a reason and a purpose. Do you realize that Christ lives in this world in you? He knows that if He can get us to believe and understand and comprehend where He has decided to work, to function, to operate, and if He can get us cooperating with what He wants to do, with what He wants to accomplish, with what He wants to work, and we begin to work with Him and do with Him because He has chosen to live inside of us, there are powerful things that can begin to happen in this world. Lord, don't take them out, but keep them from the evil one. The evil one wants to destroy them. Do you realize you have an enemy who wants to destroy you? Do you know how many things we deal with on a daily basis where, where we realize the enemy's at work trying to... He, he, he's fighting us every way that he knows how. He's doing everything that he knows to come against what Jesus is wanting to do. But Christ in you, the kingdom of God in you, is the hope of glory. 
The kingdom of God in you is righteousness, peace, and joy. So, all of the external systems that are in operation in this world, they're limited in their effectiveness. So the kingdom of God, in my mind, is made up of a value system. Value system. What values exist in that building that kept it from collapsing when the shaking took place? What value system and what is it that's in you when the world is going to pieces and the world is falling apart and everything is coming against the world and the world's being shook? What is it that lives inside of you that keeps you from getting shook or being shook? God's eternal value system is not just about an ethical behavior standard of ethical behavior, but it's about a governmental expression of His agape nature. Let me ask you a question. Who lives in you? What is He? God is love. Guess what is unshakable in you? God's love. What holds it up? Love holds it up. What stops you from acting like the world acts? Love. Do you all realize you're supposed to love your enemies? What'd you say, Sam? All of them. We bless those who curse us. You, you can read through the Bible of statements that Jesus made, and, and we look at it and we think, you know, he is nuts. He's crazy. But when you're love, and you know your love, you know you have something to offer, offer people when they don't even know they need it. God is love. Say that to somebody. Would you tell somebody right now, God is love. Say that to somebody. So I've said everything now. My 15 minutes is up and that's my introduction. All right. Just my introduction. I want to introduce you today to a value system. And I'm going to be dealing with this more than just today, but when I introduce this value system to you, some of you are going to say, eh, there's no power in that, there's no authority in that, I don't see much in that. But I want you to just hear me out over the next few weeks. I want to talk about a value system that's rooted in agape. Agape is a different love than eros that we know an eros love, but this is a, a love that is rooted in agape, the actually love of God. And... Uh, I believe that agape is the very expression of God's very nature. If you want to know what God is, God is love. We, 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 we have a lot of things, but there, there's, there's just things that, that God is, and God is love. So I want, to, I want to give you four expressions, four expressions of what God is that expresses His love. Listen to me. Number one, God says, I will keep my word. I will keep my promises. Say, well, the reason... Preaching His Word is the most important thing to me in declaring His Word. My opinion or what I believe doesn't really matter. You know, we're in a world today that they want everybody's opinions, and most of the opinions that everybody has ain't worth two cents. But God says, I will keep 
my promises. I will keep my word. Secondly, the second eternal value in this eternal value system is, I will not encroach on that which is another's. I will not encroach on that which is another's. Dave and I were talking this week and he looked at me and he said, uh, Pastor, you've done a lot. You've accomplished a lot. You're at a certain place and I know you're looking for certain things, but what's in your heart to do? And my immediate response, you know, the spiritual pastoral response, well, Dave, my intention is to do only what God wants me to do. And he looks me square in the eye and he says, God wants to know what you want to do. He's not going to come in to your life and force you to do what's not in your heart to do. Mike, does God make you leave your home and everything and go build houses for people? You've got to have some want to to serve God. Do you all understand that? You've got a desire to do something for God, for God to help you do something. People all the time say, I just don't know what God wants me to do. Well, get off your bum, lazy bum. I had to watch. I almost said it wrong. <laughs> Trying to talk right in the new year. God's not going to infringe. I'll talk more about that in a moment. Number three, I'm going to give you four things. Number one, I'll keep my word. Number two, I will not encroach on that which is another's. Number three, I will look for an opportunity to do you good. Do you know that God is looking for an opportunity to bless you, to encourage you, to strengthen you, to do you good. He's looking for the opportunity. Number four is, if I cannot do you good, I want you to know my intent is not to do you harm. If I can't do you good, I want to do you good. But if I can't do you good, I want you to know my intent. This is God talking. My intent is to not do you harm. Now, I want to talk about these four in the next few moments for just a moment. The first one is, I will keep my word. Now while I'm talking about these, I want you to understand where I'm going because I'm talking about who God is in the next few moments. How many of you understand we want a God that will keep His word, that will keep His promises? Is that right? I will keep my promises. You do understand that in trying to determine who we are and how we're supposed to be like God and how we're supposed to be like Jesus and how we were created in His image and His likeness, that we should want to keep our word too. Do you understand that? But the first thing He says is, I will keep my word. So the first thing we're talking about is God's faithfulness to His word. You know, I, I, I'm not sure that I totally am capable of expressing everything that God is. You know, because of His character, because of who He is, because of His character, His promises are certain. I mean, they're just there. His Word is what holds everything together. If we really understood that He spoke this world into existence, that He literally, words that He spoke caused everything to be that is. The reason the, the, work, the sun comes up every morning, the reason everything stays in its alignment, the reason everything is what it is, is because God told it to do that. 
And I'm saying to you this morning, do we, do, do we believe? Do we really believe that we can rest on the character of God to believe that if He said it, He's going to stand by it? His Word, His Word. Here's how He said it. Who are you? I am that I am. We can rest faithful on His character. Now listen carefully. If we want to talk about redemption, if we want to talk about reconciliation, do you think God will redeem the world? Has He redeemed? Has He provided redemption for all mankind? Has He provided reconciliation? Has He reconciled the sins of the world in Himself by taking all of the sins in His body to the tree and crucified? He was crucified for all of our sins. So redemption, reconciliation, everything that we have, everything, everything that we have is utterly dependent upon a statement that God made to one man. Now let me ask you this, if you're Abraham, if you are in Christ, who are you? Whose seed are you? Huh? Abraham's seed. If you're in Christ, you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So think about this promise he made to Abraham. Here's what God, a promise he made to Abraham. He said to Abraham... In your seed, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Abraham, in your seed. Jesus is in the seed of Abraham. If you are in Christ, you are Abraham's seed and you are a blesser of all of the families of the earth. Why don't we think like we're that? Where on earth did this concept come up that we're just worms? Where did the concept ever come up that we are sinners? I was a sinner, but because of Jesus, I am now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And in you, Abraham, God said, in you, Abraham, in your seed, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So let me ask you a question. How are the families on the planet today going to get blessed? Hello, blessers. Who are you blessing? How do I bless somebody? Well, number one, while we're on it, you'd be a person of your word. You don't have to sign a contract. Your word should be your bond. You should be like God that if you said, hey, I'll be there, I'll do it. You should be able to do what your word says. Well, that's what God says. If I want to see what God's doing in 2020, I'm going to tell you what He's doing. He wants to do everything He can in His power to help you be just like Him. And when you say you'll do something, He wants to help you do it. Some of us live at Campville. Do you all know where Campville is? Campville is a place in every state in West Virginia and around the world. It's people who can't do anything. Can't, couldn't do anything. Do you all understand? Can you do this? I can't. Oh, I'd like for you. Can you give this? Can you help somebody? I can't. Do you know how many people live at Campville? Huh? You all ever met anybody at Campville? Or do you live there? Maybe some of your last names, Campville. I don't know. 
What can you do? I can do everything God wants me to do. I can do everything God tells me to do. I can speak things and the things that I speak will come to pass because it's God's word. If you're in the seed of Abraham, you should be a blesser of all the families of the earth. The second thing, thank you, Charlotte. I love you. The second thing, we're people of our word, but he holds us humanly responsible to how our lives are going to be governed. In other words, when I say I will not encroach, God says I will not encroach on that which is another. I want you to understand that God holds us humanly responsible to choose how our lives are governed. Dave, I want you to come here and tell them what happened, what the Lord said to you this week at the hospital. I'm preaching, but take as long as you want. <laughs> well, the, on Christmas Remember, Day, 12 to 15 minutes is a sermon, so awesome. just okay. I'm probably getting one of those in here. Uh, Sunday, our, our grandbaby was in the, in the hospital. He had pneumonia. And we, we were over that evening, and there were four of them holding him down, putting the IV in, and drawing blood. He'd already had blood drawn once, so he was scared to death, and he's screaming, so it was chaos. So we stepped outside the room. And immediately I just began to pray. I said, Lord, just, just help him. Help that baby. Bring peace. In just a couple seconds, it calmed down and everything was cool. So God answered that prayer. As I was going back to the waiting room, his word hit me just like a bolt. And uh, I've been studying the word of God for years. I've been studying the mind. I've been studying, you know, and, and observing things. And, you know, when I got saved and brought into the church, I saw all kinds of things that wasn't lining up with God's promises. Why are not people walking in the health and the peace and the prosperity of God like your word says? And I knew that in my spirit, that's what God's will is for us. And, and automatically, I mean, it's kind of like you, you've heard that say, my life flashes in front of your eyes before you die or whatever. This is sort of that, how that happened. And I had this conversation with my old pastor who was, uh, I love him. He's a great man. But he and I butted heads like two rams. And he was kind of legalistic. Well, he wasn't kind of legalistic. He was real legalistic. And uh, so we would have these debates, and sometimes they'd get heated. And uh, he was in the hospital one day, and we're, we're talking about healing. And he said, he said something to me that has resonated, just stuck in me for years. And he said, back when I was preaching hard, when I was preaching legalistic, people were getting saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, and people were getting set free. He said, and then I quit preaching that and, and think the, the Spirit of God just quit working. And it just didn't sit right. And I said, you know, I went away from that. I thought, you know, I think he's wrong. But at the same time, what, what's he saying? Well, I, the Lord spoke to me that day and he said, you've misunderstood. He said, legalistic and holy living is not the same thing. Listen Liv to this. Listen. Living holy unto the Lord it's living the way God designs us to live. To put things in our mind, in our heart that he wants us to put in. To treat our minds like a garden. To treat our bodies like a temple. But not to make it a law. What happens is, as we start doing these things, the blessings of God start to come in. And all of a sudden, we want to canonize it and tell our brother and sister how they should live. And we don't love them, we judge them. When they don't live up the way we're living, we start to judge them, and all of a sudden the spirit just kind of creeps out the back door because he's not in that. He's about love. And so my prayer for myself is that I love what Louis used to say. He said, I don't, I, I don't have room in my head for a thought that's not God's. That's what I want for myself, for my family, for those I love. But I never want to be legalistic and preach to somebody and say, you got to read the Bible, you got to pray, pray you got to do these things. That's a personal thing with God. But he has so much for us if we would put him in 
where he deserves to be enthroned in our heart. And when we meditate and think on that and the goodness of God, the blessings begin to flow. They begin to flow through our heart, come from the spirit, into our mind and into our bodies. And we start to walk it out. So anyway, that's, that's what this... Can you quote exactly what you wrote on your phone? Quote it? Read it? I can read it, yeah. Exactly what you wrote on your phone that, right. God, that God said. I want you to listen. This is what God said. I've got to put my glasses on, though. You knew that. <laughs> Hang on. I was trying to write... You're, you're old enough to just wear them all the time like I the rest of should, us. should, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and this is, you know, as soon as he spoke it, I come out in the waiting room, I started jotting down notes. And he said, holiness versus legalism. Of course, my prayer for, for uh, Easton was the trigger. He, and this was about Aaron's statement uh, I just shared with you. He said, the holiness, holiness movement started out with power, signs, and wonders. But power left because the holiness life became a law and a sense of pride. Works entered and were taught rather than unconditional love for others. who were not living up to that standard. So as I'm writing down, you know, about years in study of thought, God said you and others have polluted your well, your mind. You cannot mix good and bad and expect the power and energy to flow correctly. And then I had some more notes here about, you know, a study I've done on Joe Dispenza. And he's not a Christian, but he was talking about our energy centers in our body. And, you know, some doctors and chiropractors may, may know a little bit about this, but he talks about the seven centers in our body, and the three that's lower are survival. They deal with procreation, uh, digestion, elimination. And those centers get out of whack. Well, that's what we call sin sometimes. When we're doing things we shouldn't be doing sexually or eating wrong or treating ourselves wrong. God's not angry with us for that, but he can't fix that if we don't get our hearts and our minds right. And one of the energy centers is right here behind our navel, which is where our ego and our, and our self-esteem is at. And when those are out of whack, we have a hard time fitting in, and we're always looking for things outside of ourselves to satisfy and fulfill and make us feel like we fit in. And we never will. And then the one behind the heart is where we start connecting with God. And one in the throat and one on top of the head, which starts to deal with the spiritual parts. We need to align our energy centers, and the only way to do that is put our focus on God. Matthew 6, 20, 22 says, Let your eye be single, for if your eye is single, your body will be full of light. But if your eye be dark, your body will be full of darkness. So I'm not preaching to anybody that we need to change anything. That's a personal thing. But for me, myself, I want a more intense focus on God and the kingdom of God because I know his blessings are real. I've experienced them and I've seen them, and I want them for the entire body of Christ and then we can truly be the blessers when we lead people to Christ without judgment because of the way they're living or what's going on in their life right now because God wants to align them and harmonize their thoughts. It's hard to ask a preacher to talk about one thing without preaching a sermon. It's all right. It's good. It's good. I wanted him to say that because here's the statement I want to say. We want God to ride in on a white horse and fix our mess that we've created and make us something that we want him to make us. He put the ball in your court. He put the ball in your court. He is not going to encroach his will over top of your will and his holiness over top of who you are and who you choose to be and every decision you make every day. There's a lot of stuff going on in the world that makes me angry. I can't let my thoughts and my ways keep him out of my heart.
You understand that? God is not going to arbitrarily come down and force His ways on yours. He can come in with a white horse. He could do anything He wants, but He doesn't operate that way. He extends the offer, but He does not mandate that we accept the offer. God says, I've chosen to come and live with you. I've chosen to take up my residence with you. I've chosen to abide with you. I've chosen to give you my word. I've chosen to fellowship with you. I long to talk with you. I long to have a conversation with you. Ruth Miller, whose daddy passed away last evening, Ruth was talking about her daddy and she said, you know, in this illness at a time when dad was going through, my dad was not always a, a huge prayer or somebody who prayed great prayers and done all that. She said, but the other day, he said, said he was by himself and said, I was listening and he was in there talking to God. And it was like I thought somebody was in the room with daddy because he was having a conversation with God. She said, you can't imagine how that blessed me. Do you understand? God is not you going through some great... Our most kind, gracious, heavenly Father. We thank you, Jesus, Father God. We praise you, Father God, Jesus. We call his name so many times in prayer, we don't have the time to say anything. Have a conversation with God. You know, you can say things to God like, I don't like him. I don't like the Democrats or the Republicans. I don't like my pastor. God, would you please change them? I've prayed all of that and he says, let me change your perspective. Let me deal with something in you. Can I come into you and have a conversation with you? Do you realize that's what he wants to do? Listen to me. He extends an offer. He does not mandate that we accept it. But his desire, God's desire, is for mature sons and daughters who respond from love and be what He wants them to be. He does not want us to be prisoners or robots to do what He says He's wanting us to do. God wants you to do what He wants you to do because you want to do it. You know how many people do things just for the praise? I tell you, I just ain't going to work in church anymore because nobody don't appreciate what I do. I go down there and I slave and I do this and I do that and nobody appreciate it. Well, so you're doing what you do for the appreciation and the praise. God wants to work with us. Now, Pastor Farley, you've gone to meddle. He's not going to arbitrarily come into your life and encroach on your rights. If he's going to work in your life, you're going to have to let him. It's an eternal value that's the way God is. Y'all understand how God is? Y'all understand God's not going to force you to do what needs to be done. Is that all right? Number three, he is looking for the opportunity to do us good. Why? Why is God looking for an opportunity? Because he is good. God is good. He can only do good. He is aggressively good. Let me ask you this question. How, how often have you been overjoyed by the comfort of His presence just for no reason at all? You felt His presence and He knew you was there and you felt comforted by His presence. How often have you been blessed by unexpected financial blessing that you don't know how it came or why it came, but it came and it was something that just blessed you? How many times have you had an answer come to a prayer that you had totally forgotten about, but you had prayed and all of a sudden the answer to that prayer came? How many times has a favorable resolution came to a situation or a circumstance that was disastrous, that you thought was all apart, that was always going to be terrible, that was a certain thing, and all of a sudden something happened to change it and it was good? God is looking for an opportunity to express His agape 
somewhere on this planet. Could I be a part of God's expression of his love? Do you understand that? Could I be? Could you be? Could we be? God wants to do good. Do y'all know God wants to do good on this earth? And he's going to do it through us. Now here's the thing I want you to kind of watch with this, and I'll be talking about this more. I'm not, I'm not, I'm just barely touching the highlights of this today. Our Heavenly Father's good, His good may not always fit in our definition of good as we would like good to be for us. Y'all understand that? Let me ask you a question. Is it more blessed to give than to receive? Y'all believe that's God's work? How many of you have been in a place where it was more blessed to give than to receive? Huh? But if you're so focused on what you don't have, you can't find what you've got that you could share with somebody else, you don't realize where the blessing is. And God's not going to come down and just arbitrarily. The fourth thing that I want to talk about, and God wants us to understand that He never intends us harm. I wish I knew how to change many of our impressions. As Dave was sharing, he was talking about his former pastor and how that he's made legalism. Pastors have made God a horrible person. Do you all realize that? We've made God every time. I mean, I, I preach on the grace of God. I got cornered by a minister the other day in a store. And he said, uh, he, he, just, he just looked at me and he said, uh, do you not believe that God is judging the world? And I said, I believe he already has. Well, don't you think that people's behavior is something that God's going to reckon with? I said, I know that my behavior went to the cross with Jesus and Jesus paid the price for my behavior and much of the behavior of the world, in fact, I believe he paid for all of the sins of the world, past, present, and future, and that he's already dealt with it, and that he loves us so much that if we knew how to receive his love and walk in his love, we wouldn't see him as a vengeful, hateful person that we're trying to make him to be. He said... You just don't understand the wrath of God. I said, I just hope that God's wrath is nowhere close to yours. <laughs> then I reached out and hugged him because I felt like I was being hard and hateful and I felt like that God wanted to bathe him in love and I started crying and I started hugging him and he pushed me away I said I'm sorry you think I'm such a terrible preacher he said I don't think you're terrible I just think you're not telling people the truth I said well the God I know He's a God of love, a God of grace, a God of mercy, a God of kindness. And I don't know anybody anywhere who would take all of the sins of the world because he loved us so much that he would send his son to die for all of the sins of the world. He said, we better shake hands and get out of here. And we did. He's not a bad, evil man. He's not unkind. He's not trying to be something. It's just that we present 
a wrong depiction of God. God has no desire to do anyone wrong. God has no desire to be unkind or bad to anybody. God is looking for a way to do you and I good. He wants you and I to be a part of his blessing and his love to the world. He wants to love the unlovable through you and me. That's what he wants to do. So I'm saying, God, give us some 2020 vision of who you are and what you want to be inside us this year. God's not angry and he's not waiting with fire and lightning and and ready to meet people and send them to hell. That's not what God is. I hate to say this. I'm going to bring it to a close. You know, we've actually preached a gospel that's a marketing scheme. Do y'all, do y'all know what a marketing scheme is? Everybody here know what a marketing scheme is? We've actually preached a gospel that's a marketing scheme. Accept Jesus, your sins will be forgiven, and when you die, He'll make everything right so that you can go to heaven. That's what we've preached. And I'm telling you today, it's a marketing scheme. When I believe what God's wanting to preach is, I got a government of righteousness, peace, and joy. And I want you to know that I'm a man of my word. If I promise you something, I'll do it. And I want you to know that I will never encroach on your rights and your behalf and what you want. I'll never come in and force you to do what you're unwilling to do. You can live your life however you want to live your life. You can be what you want. You can do what you want. But I'd like to participate with you in your life if you would so allow me to do it. That's the gospel. And he'd also like you to know that he wants to do you good. Do you all understand if you need healing, He wants to heal you? If you need forgiveness, He wants to forgive you. If you need something, God wants to give it to you. Listen, how, 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 how blessed is it for you to give something to somebody? Huh? How many of you have ever been broke? Anybody here ever been broke? I've been broke. I've been blessed. Blessed is better than broke. It's hard to bless others when you're broke. Some of you have heard me tell it. One year we were going to Christmas and we were down at Colton and Caleb's. My nephews, some of you don't know the story, but anyway, you know, their mom and dad was killed. They were ours. We were having a Christmas, we'd go to their house at Christmas, and one Christmas down there, we were doing all this stuff, and the Lord just spoke to me and said, you treat these kids like your own, and I decided to do it. That's what I'd do. I'd buy it. Well, that Christmas, I didn't know what to get Sheila. It's hard. How many of you men know how hard it is to buy for your wife, huh? I mean, you know, she, she has a credit card that every month she says, here's the bill. <laughs> Pay it. That's what I bought. And that's Okay. So in front of the kids down there, I wrote her a check for $10,000. She opened up that. The kids looked at it and they said, wow, Dad, $10,000. Sheila looked at it and she goes, this is my account, not yours. And she said, I just want you to know there's not $10,000 in this account. I said, well, honey, just know my heart. It was good. (laughs) We all laughed about it and had a big time. You remember that, Travis?
when I was doing the series on tithing, I'll never forget the story of being able to bless and how you can't bless if you're not a blessing. Let me wrap this up by telling you this story. I'm not sure I can pronounce his name right, but there was a missionary or a man in Ecuador who was of the Hararani tribe. His name is Minkaye, M-I-N-K-A-Y-E. There is a movie that's been put out, put out about this because Minkaye was a part of the tribe that killed five missionaries in Ecuador in 1956. One of those missionaries that was killed was Nate Saint. Mankaya, in 1999, another tribe had gone over there and, and won him to the Lord, and he'd become a pastor, and in 1999, he flew for his first time to the United States of America. And he came on a plane here to America, and he had never been out of this place in Ecuador. He had become friends with Steve Saint, who was Nate Saint's son. They did this movie. Some of us, how many of y'all have watched that movie? You remember we watched it, we showed it here one time. Anyway, it's a movie. And, and, and anyway, he came, he talked about the plane, he talked about automobiles. You know, he came from the jungles. This guy was from the jungles, and he came, and what he got off the plane and he was coming through the airport and, and he got onto one of those conveyors. Y'all know the walkways that move. If you've been in the airports where the walkways move and he came up and he didn't know what to do to this, this it's, a walk, it's a walkway that's like an escalator that's moving and he didn't know what to do and he got on it and, and, and he started going. You know, here he was going. And he couldn't see how this was possible. How can a path move? He spends his time here and he goes back to Ecuador and he's talking to his tribe buddies and all of his friends and he says, I go over there and he explains to them how it was to ride in an airplane and they understood airplanes because birds have wings and they understood how that would fly because they understand birds and he talked about automobiles and wheels and they knew a little bit about fixing wheels and things rolling and how that worked and, and that kind of thing. But then he said, I came to this pathway that moved. And they said, that's impossible. It's impossible for you to get on a path that moves. In the jungles of Ecuador, they could not conceive in their mind how they could get on a path that would move and take them somewhere just by getting on the moving pathway. Many of you didn't know it, but when you invited Jesus into your heart, he put you on a pathway that is leading you to be conformed to the image of his son. Put my last scriptures up there. The theme of my life and the theme of my ministry, of everything that God has called me to do is to know and to understand that all things work together for good. For good to those. I'm ready for that scripture. Watch this. All things work together for good to those. Everybody say to those who live right, who have their theology together, who know all the answers. All things work together for good to those who, everybody say, love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Now watch this. For whom He foreknew, He also predestined put you on a pathway and the pathway that you're on is not about getting you to heaven but it's about conforming you to the image of his son and if we can focus on 
our words be in truth and keeping our word. And if we can focus on not encroaching on anybody else, just keep ourselves. And if we can believe and start looking for opportunities to do people good, what can I do to do somebody good today? And if everybody started looking at some way they could do somebody good. And if you can't do them good, whatever you do, don't bring them any harm. It's amazing how we would find ourselves being more like Him. Did you know you could pray for somebody and you'd be God's instrument to heal them? Do you know you could lay your hand on somebody and just say, in Jesus' name, be healed. And Jesus, decide in that moment, in that instance, that you're his miracle getting ready to happen. And he used you in that moment to touch that person and supernatural healing manifest in that person's body. Do you know you could look at somebody and say, I don't know why, but I just want you to know God loves you. And all of a sudden that heart be open and receptive to receive God's love. You can be a blessing.